You're listening to Health Call Live, your regular Saturday morning appointment with healthcare professionals, where treatment is always painless and there's never a copay. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent Lee Kelso. You know, I love the hot, dry days of summer, and yeah, we've certainly had our share this year. The problem with that is it's perfect weather for a nasty little creature that thrives in area lakes and streams. It is an amoeba that is something to be aware of, because if it infects your body, there is a 98% chance that you are not going to survive. Now, that makes this little amoeba more deadly than just about any other condition you're likely to encounter in nature. And there is a good chance this nasty little thing is in our area's lakes and streams. Now, before you cancel your vacation or pull your nose out of the water, it's important to know that the infection with this amoeba is exceedingly rare. It is extremely rare, only 150 cases in the past 60 years. But... Just a few weeks ago, a Missouri native went swimming in a lake in Iowa, and the parasite managed to find its way to his brain, where it begins to then eat, consume brain tissue. And that's why it's called the brain-eating parasite. And that's also why I connected with microbiologist Robert Harriman. He has a master's degree in public health. He's the editor of the Outbreak News Today website, and that's where I first caught news of this lethal parasite called Negrelia phalari. And this is a free-living amoeba. It can survive in the environment on its own. It's fine like that. Um, But it's incredibly lethal if you get it up your nose. Uh, Hence the name brain-eating amoeba. It'll go up the olfactory nerve up into the brain and start eating brain tissue. So it's an incredibly pathogenic, uh, very fulminant type infection that's uh, about 98% fatality rate. That's pretty shocking. So let's let's spend just a minute on that. Sure. It's it, it's okay to be in the water with this thing. I can swallow the water and it won't affect me. It's only when it goes up my nose. That's right. That's right. And it, 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 it's like I said, it's a free living amoeba and it's found in the environment. So it's probably in most warm freshwater sources and, and that's why during the summer we see, seem to see cases of this but the only way to contract the parasite is by water rushing up your nose and that could be via recreational activities in the lake or in the river or in the pond um, we've seen it in some cases um, like in louisiana they had some cases in recent history where Uh, Kids got it riding on a slip and slide, and the tap water in Louisiana had the parasite. Uh, We've seen it in a couple cases of neti pot use. And in Pakistan, which is a great example where they see a dozen cases a year, um, there's a nasal rinsing ritual that they do as part of the Muslim tradition. And they see about a dozen or more cases a year in uh, Karachi, Pakistan. So, and like I said, it's incredibly dangerous. It, it, it's very fast. Um, you've got two to 14 days, but roughly within five days, um, that's typically the average. 
Wow. And I've read even even here in this country, there was a splash pad that was infected and and that caused uh, a case. That's right. That, that uh, was last year, I think, in the Dallas area. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, the symptoms are a lot like meningitis. So it's a severe headache, uh, stiff neck, uh, high fever, vomiting. And when you go to the doctor, uh, what do I need to tell them? Because they're going to be thinking meningitis, right? That's right. And, and, and they'll, they'll do a spinal tap on you, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I, I would do, because this, this typically uh, affects children more often because they're playing in the water, um, let them know that the child or yourself, if you know, whoever's in, potentially infected has been in fresh water and that'll let the emergency room physician know to you know, look for this particular parasite and not start treating you for bacterial meningitis or viral meningitis. Yeah, just a, what a crazy, creepy disease, or not disease, but parasite. And again, I want to emphasize here, it's very rare. What do we see? 150 cases in, in the U.S. over the past several decades. So very rare. Yeah, yeah, very rare. Um, though, though the parasite is probably, probably ubiquitous, it's probably in most most bodies of fresh water, um, you know, especially like laying in the silt and like that. And that's, you know, they recommend you not stirring things up. And, Mm -hmm. but yeah, four survivors in the United States. So that that tells you something in, and three of them were just in the past since 2013. Wow. So, yeah, and we're in the peak months here. Uh, we're recording this in July, and uh, hot hot water, warmer water is uh, where this thing can thrive. And so, you know, July, August, September, we're right there in the peak of it. So good to be aware of it. All you have to do is keep water out of your nose, and you don't have the right. problem. So hold your nose, use nose plugs, Yeah. keep your face out of the water. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, good to know. Good. Good to know. You're for, forewarned. You're forearmed. Right. That's how we think about things. That's right. Well, it's 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 an issue down here in Florida. So, uh, try to always remind uh, the public down here. Yeah. Well, good point. Uh, so let's move on to something else that is getting a lot of attention these days, and that is monkeypox. Uh, here, I found this on the Axios website. Uh, there's a map of all the states with uh, reported cases so far. So you can see many of them are on the, the large population centers. But they're also talking here about COVID missteps that are, may be causing a little problem here with monkeypox. So we're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, but let's. What do I need to know about monkeypox? Well, what, what we know about this particular strain um, is probably a clade from the West African uh, strain that comes out of Nigeria, Sierra Leone, Cameroon. Uh, it looks like it's it started out in Europe, and it's especially came out of. Um, bathhouses, saunas, where um, men who have sex with men congregate. Uh, so it looks like that's that's a common thread for a lot of it. It's not absolute, but the vast majority are uh, men who have sex with men. And it looks like a lot of this sort of super spreader events came out of these saunas and bathhouses out of uh, Madrid, Berlin, um, England, some other places like that. And it kind of spread across the world via international travel. Uh, there are cases in women, 
There are rare cases in children, um, but most of the cases I think in the United States are due to international travel. Mm -hmm. It is some of the symptomology is a little bit different than what they see in Africa because we got the anal genital peri anal uh, lesions that are being seen with the, with this group. And sometimes you may only have one or two pustules while um, authorities in Nigeria, for example, are saying they're not seeing anything like this. They're seeing an increase in cases right now too, but it's the traditional yeah, you get it on the face, on the extremities, and and the like. So, um, so there's there's something different going on, obviously. Yeah, and you would think that it's, it should be pretty easy to prevent, but the numbers are, you know, I think it was like a thousand cases between what July 9th and July 10th. So, I mean, it, it's it's moving up. It's not a huge threat for the general public. At least that's what they're saying so far, and I can't see how it could be. Well, hmm, about that. The Washington Post today carries a column from uh, two physicians saying it is time for the public to admit that monkeypox now is at pandemic levels. Now, I, I don't know how to take this. I'm really on the fence on this one. So we know that it spreads, it can spread without sexual contact, So if but it's spreading predominantly among those men who are having sex with men, and then people associated with them, family members, others nearby. The virus can spread through contact with linens and, and what's called fomites. So those are surfaces that, that uh, can spread the virus. Is that why it's spreading so quickly? Unclear. The city of Austin, Texas, for example, now is saying that it is community spread. So that means it's outside those people who have traveled and now it's spreading within the community. So the symptoms are fever, headache, muscle aches and backache, swollen lymph nodes, chills, exhaustion, and then comes the rash. The rash, if you, you've seen chicken pox, so the rash kind of goes beyond that. It's very blistered and uh, can be many places on the face, inside of the mouth, other parts of the body. Um, and as I said, the CDC and the World Health Organization, they're really under the microscope right now. Lots of people like these doctors in the Washington Post saying, hey, what are we doing? We're asleep at the switch. Didn't we learn anything from the COVID pandemic? We need to jump on this. We need to get ahead of this. So that's where I pick up my conversation with Robert next. What did we learn from COVID? Are we pay making some additional mistakes? And what does he see coming ahead this fall with COVID? Man, I'll tell you what, something to keep an eye on. We're going to talk more about that next. Welcome back to Health Call Live. If you've got a question, you don't have to give blood to get the answer. Just call us at 447-1190. And this half hour, we are talking with microbiologist Robert Harriman. He's the editor of a website called Outbreak News Today. He served in the Florida public health system during the COVID outbreak. And, you know, the COVID virus, it's its not done with this yet. I haven't been talking much about it. I think a lot of us are kind of hoping to just move on. But no, nah, that's not going to happen. There are new variants on the move. The latest is named Centaurus. And I'm hearing reports that these versions have mutated enough that they are able to 
reinfect people who've had COVID, who are fully vaccinated, and that this round of the disease is, it may not put you in the hospital, but it is going to make you feel worse. You know, we had previously talked about the fact that COVID kind of was mimicking a bad cold. Well, this is really rough. From I've talked to a couple of people who've come through this BA4 and BA5, and they're saying, yeah, it's, it's a tough one, and it's something you just don't want to have. They are describing it as having far more serious than the mild illness that we came to think of COVID. So the WHO, the World Health Organization, urging governments to return to masking, to enhancing ventilation and other restrictions. They're worried that the public just, well, are not listening to officials and, and we're just not taking the threat seriously enough. And quite frankly, that is something that also worries microbiologist Robert Harriman. <laughs> it pains me to say this in a way, but public health took it on the chin during COVID. It it just, it, it came up with a lot of draconian rules that weren't really played out in real life historically. Mm -hmm. um, there's scientists from uh, prior to COVID who wrote papers about how to handle pandemics. And the stuff that we did during the COVID pandemic D.A. Henderson, the, the great epidemiologist eradicator of smallpox, would have said nay, nay to almost everything these guys wanted to do. And uh, when you're in public health, you, you can't be so myopic that all you're looking at is trying to eliminate the disease. You, you need to look at, you know, how's, how are these policies going to affect the economy, uh, malnutrition, how it's going to affect you know, this and this and this, there's so many other pieces of the puzzle. And I mean, we can, we can see some of the uh, unintended consequences today. Yeah, a lot of vaccine hesitancy about other conditions. And yeah, yeah, I get it. You're right. So we're looking now at this BA4, BA5 variants of COVID being dominant in Europe and in fact now dominant in the United States. You talk to lots of people and read far more than I do. Uh, what can we expect this fall? Any indications? Well, it, it, it appears it's going to... Uh, to, to... <laughs> To be more of a, it, actually, it is right now. It's just, it's already affecting the country quite a bit now. It's affecting some other countries. However, the good news is that hospitalizations are still down. You know, right now fatalities are still down. So, I don't know if you're going to be able to change a lot of people's opinions about COVID right now. Um, Look outside your window. People are living their lives normally now, and I think they're going to continue doing that. Um, and that's and again, that's part of the problem. Is will any if BA five became more pathogenic, if it became Delta like, would public health have a voice in, in encouraging the public to, you know, take some kind of remediation? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm concerned about that. I keep hearing that uh, BA5 is able to escape immunity. So if you've had a previous infection, it doesn't necessarily mean you won't get BA5. Uh, the vaccines. And it can... Yeah, yeah. And Lee, there's been there's some been some truth with that with all the different strains too. There, yeah. it's, you know, natural immunity works for you know x amount of time. The vaccine immunity lasts for this amount of time. 
I think that's just something we're, we're going to be going through. And it's, it's going to be influenza, you know, 2.0. That's, that's kind of how I look at it. And we're just going to be living with it and get vaccinated on some kind of regular basis. If you think you're, if you need it, mm-hmm. uh, if you're a high risk group, if, if I was 80 years old, I would, I would be getting vaccinated. Oh, heck yeah. Well, you know, I'm fully vaxxed, fully boosted. I don't know that I'm going to do any more until I see some evidence that it's particularly helpful. But yeah, I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I mean, why not? Um, I'm old enough that I don't want to mess with that thing. Uh, so you mentioned it just a moment ago, but um, you you track a lot of bizarre viruses, hemorrhagic fevers, a bunch of creepy things crawling around in the jungle. You stay on top of all of that. But what what is your dark nightmare condition? What do you think really poses the greatest threat to all of us? Well, I'm, I'm going to go to the oldie but goodie. It's uh, influenza. I don't know if it's going to be... Uh, something like an H1N1, or will it be one of these avian influenzas that uh, get a mutation that makes them more transmissible, like H5N1, uh, which has uh, got a case fatality rate of 50% or more. Wow. Um, but influenza is is the one. It, it mutates so much. We have a really hard time keeping up with vaccinations on that. By the time they decide what strains they're going to put in the annual vaccination. And by the time the vaccine is actually produced, that vir- those viruses are already mutated quite a bit. And that's, what, you know, that's part of the reason why you see uh, so some years the, the, effect, the effectiveness of the vaccine is, is relatively low. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a true believer in vaccines, and I always get my flu shot. Um, even if you get it and it's not, you know, 100% protective, you, you'll get some kind of protection, which is, you know, something I'm, I'm getting up in years and it's probably wise. Again, that is microbiologist, uh, master's in public health, Robert Harriman. He is the editor of a website called Outbreak News Today. If, like me, you like to follow these things, uh, that's a good place to start. So here's what I can tell you about COVID. The, um, the CDC now is saying that we are likely to see a big increase in the number of hospitalizations here in the United States. Already it's happening over in England. And uh, what's happening, they're finding, is people are going to the hospital for other conditions and they are testing positive. So you're you're hospitalized, not necessarily because of COVID, but once you're there, they find out you do have COVID. So this BA4, BA5 spreads very quickly. And the thinking now is if you have symptoms of a cold, if you have that, you know, the headache, the runny nose, the cough, all that kind of stuff, just assume that it is COVID and test yourself. And if it comes back positive, you need to isolate. The challenge here is people are, once you do the home test, they're not reporting. So we don't really know how active and how uh, prevalent COVID is out there in the community. And that makes it difficult to project how many hospital beds we're going to need as the disease progresses. I hate to bring this up again, but guys, I think as fall approaches, we all need to be on high alert and keep our eye on COVID and see what it's going to do to us this time around. Wish I could leave you on a better note, but that's the best we've got today. Hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you on a future episode of the Health Call Live Radio Hour here on WoWo. You can always check us out online at healthcall.live and listen to the podcast and all the major services. See you next week.
You've been listening to Health Call Live. Watch a recording of today's program on the Health Call Facebook page or on the web at www.healthcall.live. Drop us a line to recommend a guest or suggest a topic for a future broadcast. Join us next Saturday at 9 a.m. for another edition of Health Call Live on WoWo 1190 a.m. and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.